0: You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Man, it is just honestly so much fun on this podcast to show up with you twice a week. Thank you just so much for being here and giving us your time and your trust we seriously love you so much. Speaking of love, you are going to love this episode. Man, it is full of goodness. If you have been curious on how to diversify your income and make money in different ways online, then buckle up. Today, we got to chat with the incredible Jennifer Allwood. Now, if you aren't familiar with her already, Jennifer is a business coach teaching women how to use social media to make money in eight different ways online. What started as a desire to make more money than what she was making in her local painting company eventually led to a multi- 7 figure a year coaching business, where she teaches women how to build a business online also. Jennifer stands steadfast in the idea of using her business as a way to serve God and her family. Her goal is to use the tools so readily available, social media, email, the internet, as ways to make this happen. And today, Jennifer is able to use her social media following of over half of a million, her podcast, The Jennifer Allen Show, with 4 million downloads, her coaching groups with 1,000 members, and her number one bestselling book, Fear Is Not the Boss of You, to help other women do for their businesses what she has done in hers. Today, we talked with Jennifer all about the importance of multiple revenue streams, including the eight different ways to make money online. Now, Jennifer breaks down at what stage of your business you should tackle multiple streams of income, how to balance multiple revenue streams happening within your business, and what reoccurring revenue streams actually are. She then breaks down how to keep people from unsubscribing or quitting an ongoing membership group. And it is just literally a packed episode with really tangible tools and strategies that you can take away today to begin implementing. And it also includes a free quiz that she's going to give you to help figure out what revenue stream is best suited for you and your own business. Jennifer is just a breath of fresh air. It was so much fun to sit down and chat with her and she is a powerhouse entrepreneur and we just, we promise you will walk away even more mind blown than you did entering the podcast. So I'll start gabbing and let's get started.
1: then buckle up because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Jennifer, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're freaking excited to have you here today. This
2: is an honor. This is going to be fun. You know, I was thinking this afternoon, I think this is the first podcast interview I've ever done where there's been like a tag team. Oh yes. Well, we have to, we've
0: orchestrated it over the years to like try to alternate questions because Love it can it. get a little complicated with two hosts, <laughs>
1: but hopefully it just adds extra energy.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's time, you know, I, because I have my own podcast I listen to a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. and I listen to several that have two hosts. I've just never been interviewed by two hosts. Ooh. Um, so wouldn't that be fun to have like, you know, a co-host or somebody to do my own podcast with me just because you can, you know, banter or riff yes. or whatever. It is. Right. What of this. But yeah, this is fun.
0: Yeah, on our solo shows, it's like not solo. I mean, it's like just us. Right, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's solo, but like a duo. <laughs> exactly. exactly, which
2: is
1: fun. Oh, it is so fun. We we love it. So an honor that we got to be the first of a duo interview team. So hopefully, uh-huh. hopefully we do okay today. <laughs>
2: yeah, this is going to be
1: fun. Yay. All right. Well, Jennifer, for anyone who doesn't already know who you are, are you down to like tell us a little bit of your story and a little bit about yourself?
2: absolutely um I'll start with kind of what I do today and then kind of give you the background if that's okay yeah um, just like most people you know the the path to getting to where I am was you know kind of up and down and all around. It wasn't really linear. So I think it's sometimes best just to start with where I am at the moment. But um, I am a business coach for women who are trying to grow their audience, grow their followers and grow their income um, from home. So I mostly coach women who um, are trying to do it in the online space. Now there's plenty of people in my um, circle who have you know brick and mortars and things, but I'm always trying to get them to sell things online just because Making money online is just magical. You know, I did it with having all of our kids at home and have created a lifestyle that we really love based on, you know, selling things in the online space. Um, I released a book about two years ago at the beginning of the pandemic, which was really bad timing, it turns (laughs) out. Fear is not the boss of you. And um, it was traditional publishing, which meant that, you know, I went through a publishing house and we had the date that it was going to be published well over a year in advance. So even though um, COVID hit, we couldn't really adjust that. Um, and so the book came out at the beginning of the pandemic, but God was faithful. And it went to number one on Amazon within like six hours. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, I have my own podcast called the Jennifer Allwood show and which I love doing and I've had about five years. And so yeah, my, I feel called to really just help women earn money and to be able to Mm. stay home. That's what they want to do while they do it. So I started though in a totally different way. I actually have a degree in computer-based information systems and I got that degree when I was a 30 year old. So I don't know how old you, young ladies, are, but I know you're much younger than I am. I'm getting ready to turn fifty-one, and so I got my degree kind of late, and then um, found out right after I got my degree that I actually hate computers. And <laughs> Um, so that's, you know, was a little bit of a tension an internal tension. So I had to spend all this money and all this time getting my degree and I hate computers. And, um, but what I did love was decorating my home. What I did love was like making things pretty. I bought my first house when I was 21 years old. And so I always joke that I had like champagne taste on a Budweiser budget. <laughs> <laughs> Figure out ways of like, how do I make it beautiful? How do I make it look like a space I love, but I couldn't really afford to hire anyone. And so that really led me to just loving, you know, the home industry in general. And uh, that was right about the time that decorative painting and faux finishing were becoming a thing and Pinterest was, you know, on the horizon and HGTV had just started. And um, and so that all of those things kind of led to this in Kansas City where I live anyway um this huge surge of people wanting to have their cabinets painted and their walls with murals and they wanted stripes painted and um and so I started a decorative painting company in the night time and evenings and weekends while I worked the day job that I hated on computers um and then I got laid off from my day job and while I was laid off I thought to myself okay What could I do to just hustle, make some money while I'm laid off until I find another computer job that I hate? (laughs) Because that's, you know, sometimes what we do. Um, And it turned out that I just hooked up with some really great interior designers Um, Met with some really great builders while I was in between jobs and just sat down with my husband and we decided, you know, let's just see what would happen if we went all in on the painting company and just didn't go back to corporate America. Um, It was a hard decision to make because honestly, I've always referred to myself and talk about it in my book as a super responsible person. Um, I don't know if either of you have heard me talk about that before, but, you know, I grew up with parents that were like, you get a traditional nine to five and you um, hope that you'll get a couple days extra PDO every year and you get a 401k match and then eventually you retire and you die and like, you know, be happy that that's kind of how things went down. And so to kind of go against that, not knowing any other entrepreneurs, not having any friends who own their own business. But kind of to start my own thing, it felt really vulnerable um, and really scary. And so, but that was, you know, 22 years ago now. And my painting business did amazing for 17 years. We got to be on Extreme Home Makeover with the ABC show um, three different times. I've flown to different countries to look at people's painting projects. We did a ton of work in Kansas City and, you know, even worked for some chiefs football players and things. So the painting company was good. I actually shut it down in the year 2017. Uh, simply because my online presence was growing so big. Mostly like my Facebook page, which has about 360,000 followers right now. And so women just kept coming to me and saying, okay, how do you have so many followers? Like, how are you building your business you know, so big on social media. And so I started just listening to what people were asking me. And I started saying, okay, you know, I'm happy to like do a consultation with you. Okay, I'm happy to maybe put together a course on how you can grow your social media. And that has turned into uh, me having a monthly membership group where I teach women how to grow their own business online. I have a course called the Better Way Program, which teaches eight ways you can make money in the online space. And I have a mastermind. And so I just, uh, my heart's desire is to help women. And so that's what I get to do every day. Oh, I'm obsessed
0: with everything that you just said. Thank you for breaking that down. We are honored to have you on this show. And okay, I kind of want to tag on to one of the last things you just said. You help women make money online eight different ways. Could you actually talk to us about the importance of setting up like
2: multiple revenues in your business? Like, why does that even matter? Well, it, there's, you know what? We can look at examples. And I have like examples in my own life. And um, and because I've, I'm constantly like, looking for examples and as a super responsible person, I think I originally was just thinking to myself, okay, how can I make sure I set up this business that I'm doing in a way that if, you know, what if nobody ever wants to finishing again? Well, how am I going to make money? Okay. I'm going to like start a course. Well, wait a second. What if nobody ever wants a course again? Like, how can I make sure I'm still, you know, making an income for our yeah. family? And so, um, I think that it's super important that we have, almost like a backup plan to a backup plan, to a backup plan. Not that we have necessarily a plan B, but, you know, even the Bible in Ecclesiastes says that we're to have seven, yes, even eight ways of making money. I think it's in Ecclesiastes 11 Mm too. And so even the Bible talks about different ways of making money. If you go to Google and you type in how many revenue streams does the average millionaire have? Um, It's seven. And I love it when the Bible and Google like match, by the way. (laughs) Amen. It's like, huh, God knew something. (laughs) Isn't that funny? The Bible and the world, they both agree. And so, um, so for those reasons, there was just different like opportunities that I kept seeing popping up in my company. And I'm like, okay, so what if I started doing this? And that's just like another revenue stream. And what if we also kind of started doing this? Like, So, so for instance, I started a blog back in the year, well, gosh, my, my um, my oldest daughter is getting ready to turn 15 and I started it when I was pregnant with her. So everybody can do the math. And that was back when blogging was much more popular than what it was to do today. And I figured out, well, if I just put like ads on my blog, well, then I can just make like money from the blog without really having to do anything. And that was kind of, you know, a no brainer. So that's, you know, another revenue stream that I had. Then I had companies like Hobby Lobby who were reaching out to me and asking me to blog on their behalf. Or back when um, Facebook lives first started, they were asking me to go into the stores and do Facebook lives about their products. And I partnered with peer one and with TJ Maxx and with Hobby Lobby. And so that was all like sponsored content, which you know, you have to work for, of course, but it's just like, it was another way of bringing in money. In addition to me having a course, in addition to having a paid group, in addition to having a mastermind, um, you know, and then we have the book, fear's not the boss of you. That's a product that we sell. And so it just, it's wisdom, I think, to make sure that you're making money in more than just one way. And I think part of the reason I'm super, you know, just sold out on that idea is, um, a lot of people in your audience have probably worked in a job before where they've been let go you were yeah. either fired you were laid off what have you I mean have you guys ever been let go for a job maybe maybe it's just me it I up. have it's,
0: it's part of my story I was let go of, as a waitress and for a while I was like that's a
2: bruise to my ego and then I said you know what I'm going to start my own business so holla right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and God does that so often I think because if everything is yes. going along hunky-dory um, I don't know because I was such a responsible person that I ever would have left my corporate job you know I think sometimes you kind of have to be like pushed out of the nest just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, you know, was laid off from that job and I boohooed for days and, you know, um, was just so shocked that nobody would want me, you know, and <laughs> my husband was laid off from his job years ago. Um, we had three children then we have four now, but, um, I can remember particularly particular, the boys were little, Ava was a baby. It was right before Christmas and he was laid off from his company. Um, and so he missed out on like his fourth quarter bonus and his end of the year bonus. Uh, and okay. I can just remember thinking, okay, how are we supposed to pay for Christmas? And how, like, I, it just, it felt so vulnerable to be in a position where somebody else was able to make decisions that affected like everything, you know, our our Christmas season and our vacation that next year and, you know, our bank account. And just, I remember Jason and I having a conversation, like, I don't like feeling vulnerable like that. I don't want mm-hmm. someone else to be in control of our future. And, you know, I think that a lot of times people will either get a nine to five or stay at a nine to five because they think it's more secure. But I actually did a whole podcast on this in the last couple of months. It's just perceived security. Because when you work for somebody else, you never have any idea what they're thinking. If at any moment they're going to cut back, if at any moment they're going to lay off or want you to switch positions or take a pay cut or whatever. So, you know, we go to, Corporate jobs, and thank goodness for people that do and are wired to work a corporate job. I'm not, and I know that now. (laughs) I'm unemployable by corporate America. (laughs) I'm grateful that people do, but I just can't. And I think that so often people will—they'll have a day job and maybe a side hustle. Have a day job, and they're working at this thing on nights and weekends, like I was for a while. And they keep thinking, but I've got to stay at the day job because you know it's secure. It's security. When it's actually not. And so I would rather bet on myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I would rather all of my clients bet on themselves and, you know, um, because it's never actually really secure. And so I think if you've ever lost a job, like, you know, you can kind of relate to that. And then one other example I like to give is if you've ever done anything with network marketing, which I have not. Um, I'm not against network marketing at all, but I know like we've had neighbors who, um, were with Advocare for instance, and you know, they were some of the very top leading people in that network marketing company. And a few summers ago, that company decided to shift and go, um, all in like on Amazon instead. And so they lost. You know, kind of their empire, like over time. Wow. And so, you know, I I love having network marketing women come into my programs because I'll never tell them not to do the network marketing. I just want them to be super wise and have other revenue streams in addition to that one, just so that women are just never in a position or anyone, it doesn't have to be just women, of you know, being left kind of hung out to dry with no options. I don't like women no. not having options. So there's yes, that. I love this. It's
1: I think it's so good. Such a good conversation to have too. My question for you is at what stage Mm -hmm. should a business owner be considering or taking steps to diversify into multiple revenue streams? Should it be from day one or day 100? Like, do you have thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. Well, let me give you the eight different ways of making money online that I teach on because yes. there's probably some other ways, but this might be helpful because then I can kind of answer that question better. So the eight different ways that I teach you can make money are by doing something like a course, um, a membership group, which I have both of those. I had an article in Forbes about my membership because it generates about a million dollars a year in revenue. Um, I have, I teach on consulting or one-on-one coaching. You can use those words interchangeably. Um, things like ad revenue, which of course, you know, you put on a blog or a website, affiliate income and sponsored content. So that's Um, you know, back in the day when I used to like sell things for Hobby Lobby, uh, I could, or I do a Facebook live for them and I would use, you know, hashtag ad and I was getting paid to promote their products. Um, then there's things like info products, which means an ebook, a boot camp, a workshop, uh, you know, nightly, um, painting class that you're going to do, uh, virtually instead of in person. So those are info products. It's a great way to make money. Um, I coached a lot of women who have a physical product. So, We have a line of physical home products at Jennifer Allwood Home, so it's candlesticks and rugs and you know things like that. Um, And then the last way, the eighth way that I'm teaching people how to make money is how to monetize your social media. So one of the reasons you see so many people on Instagram making reels is because they're getting paid for it. (laughs) I'm actually getting paid to make reels by Instagram. Facebook is paying people to make reels, and so TikTok is paying people to make reels. Um, And so, or not reels, but videos. So there's a lot of different ways you can make money. So here's in answer to your question, if you're like, when do you decide to implement another revenue stream? Well, one, if it's something that's just so easy and it's kind of really low hanging fruit to set up. So for me, when I had that aha moment of, Oh my goodness, I could just throw ads up on this blog. It'll take me, you know, just a few minutes to do it, to get approved. And then we're kind of one and done. Like that was just kind of a no brainer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So That's one way. Second way, when people really start asking you, so the whole time that I have been coaching women, um, it's not like, you know, cause I've been coaching women now, I think for eight years. And it's not like I, eight years ago, I thought to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a group and I'm going to have a course. I'm gonna have a mastermind. Like I didn't. <laughs> lay all that out. But what I did do is really just pay attention to what women were asking me. So, you know, for the longest time, they're like, okay, so how do you, how are you getting your, all these social media followers? And I would, for a while, I was trying to do like one-on-one consulting with them and charging them, you know, for 30 minutes or an hour of my time, but that's really hard to scale. You know, you can only do so many of those in a day. So then I I had a coach at the time who said, Jennifer, put him into a paid group. And I was like a what? And this was kind of back before so many people had paid groups. You know, a lot of people. A free Facebook groups, but I've never done that. I've always had a paid one. And so we've had that group uh, for $47 a month for six years. And so, but then what happened is people in the group were saying, okay, I've grown my followers, Jen, like I've gotten all these, you know, Pinterest followers and all these people following my Instagram, but like, how do I actually make money off of the followers? So then I would sat down with my team and I'm like, okay, I, you know what I think these women need is like a course, like a, six or eight week course where we can teach them different ways of making money. So that's how that came about. And then we had people in the course who were like, I just wish I could pick your brain for a day. I just wish that I could, you know, be able to pick up the phone and call you and ask you questions. And I was like, okay, well, what can we do? What can we do? Well, let's, you know, let's start a mastermind and you know, it's not going to be cheap. And, um, it, you know, it, but it's, there's gonna be a lot of value. And so we just kept really listening to what our clients were asking for. And so I think that's a second way. So one, if, you know, you've kind of got some low hanging fruit, you're not taking advantage of two, if people are asking you three, if you're really bored, I mean, that's always a good way. I think that God uses, um, to get people to kind of shift and pivot. Because yes. there's a lot of women who come into my coaching groups and they feel kind of burnt out. And a lot of times I think it's because they just need to do something new, especially if they're a really creative person. Um, and um, are you, you ladies are both pretty creative. You would consider yourself like creative brains, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Okay, that's what I thought. And so, you know, when you have a really creative brain... Um, sometimes we make monies in ways, I think I said, we make monies, <laughs> we make <laughs> monies in ways that like, you know, fill a need, like, you, you know, the mortgage needs to be paid. And so you, you decide to make a course. Um, but then in actuality, you get a year or two down the line and you're like, womp, womp. like, I'm so bored. I've been doing this for a while and, you know, I just need something new. And so I really think that that's a good time to look at another way of making money and figure out how, not that you can jump from like podcasting like you ladies do to like dog walking necessarily with a course, but how can you stay within the same industry and use the thing that you know how to do and just monetize it in a different way? Mm-hmm. So, is that helpful? Yeah. So
0: helpful. I have a logistical selfish question. Cause this is just like from my brain. Um, we are very much like, we're all tracking with you. Like on, on the same page, we yeah. have multiple revenue streams. My question as you're talking, I'm like, you are, I I know for a fact, very family oriented, like love your family, love your children. How do you balance it all in my, cause I know you have a team obviously, but like we have a team too. And I think something that, again, this is a selfish question. That's why I'm saying this, but like (laughs) something that me and Evie always find is like, it always feels like it, like, okay, if you have a subscription plan, it's like, okay, you have to be in there. Like I'm assuming like a lot to keep people and adding new things to keep people. Um in the subscription plan, yes. but then, like also a course takes work, but also a podcast takes work. but also writing a book takes work.
2: like how do you balance it all is my selfish question. <laughs> right. well, this is a great question. And somebody said to me the other day, actually, we we're at our mastermind. Um, I my mastermind' in person twice a year. So a few months ago, I had them all in Destin, Florida because I love Florida and Jason and I have bought a second home there. So we're in Destin. We're in our mastermind. And one of the ladies, my mastermind said, um, you know that I want to like send you a boxer and ask you a couple questions, but I just I know that you're so busy. And I stopped and I said, Okay. Tell me why you think that I'm so busy. And she said, well, you do so much. Like, you know, I I see you doing so much. Okay. Where do you see me doing so much? Well, on social media. And I said, yeah, but on social media, like, You see only the stuff that I'm putting out there. Yeah. Um, And so people can either A, make things look any way they want to, or B, things can appear like not like they always are. The truth is I'm really not so busy. I don't work Fridays. I work Monday through Thursday and I only work from nine to three. I'm of course working at a different time today because you ladies are in a different time zone and I love you so much. (laughs) So, um, so I've been in my roles for that, but literally I'm only in the office for 24 hours a week. Now I do check emails and social media at night, but that feels more like as a way to relax to me than what it does work. I don't really do a lot of television, but I love to be like on Facebook and Instagram and things. So, so that's one thing. Number one, I don't work a whole lot of hours. Um, number two, I've always made sure I had plenty of people helping me. And I think maybe God's just graced me with this from the very beginning. I am acutely aware of the fact that I'm only really good at a couple of things. And so left to my own devices, if I'm the one that's in the Facebook group trying to answer all the questions for our members, I will be short. I will be, uh, I'll have to be scrambling, trying to look for links that they need. Um, I will probably not answer things in like the fluffiest way possible, which is never going to be good for our clients. And so <laughs> I've known like early on, like, make sure I have the proper people in the proper seats on my team so that I can just focus on the things that I'm good at. Because the truth of the matter is, is when you are growing a business um, and as a creative, because I am such a creative and also very introverted person, right? And so um, there are things that I'm either A, not good at, B, I don't want to do. C, they're just not the best use of my time, um, or D, like I have to do them, you know, because we need it to grow the business. But I need help in order to do so. Um, so, for instance, on my podcast, and we just hit four million downloads on the podcast. I love my podcast, but all I do is sit down at my computer and I hit Zoom. I, I record in Zoom, um, and I hit the record button, and I just say record to the cloud. And I never do anything else with it. So I've got people that help me write up my notes. So I'll give them like a brain dump of my idea. And we use um, Boxer. Are you girls on Boxer, by the way? If you're not, it's... Here somewhat. There. It's so good. I love Voxer. So I'll give them an idea on Voxer of what I want to do for a podcast episode. They'll take that and put it in the notes for me. They'll send it to me an email. My team will. I'll sit down and record it whenever I have time through the week. And they take it from there. Like I never do anything else with it. And so we've just made sure the entire time I've been building my business, even when we were, you know, just at, you know, hitting a hundred thousand dollars online. I mean, well before we were doing you know, millions of dollars a year, I still used some of that hundred thousand dollars a year to uh, make sure I had somebody on my team at, you know, it was just the two of us for a while that could help me do all of these things that I was terrible at. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we pay a lot of money every month in out in, um, you know, for contractors and for my employees, but that allows me the capacity to do other things and to really focus on my first ministry, which is my family. And so, you know, I never want to like work come before them, Um, and so that means I have to make sure I have plenty of people doing for me the things that work that still have to get done so that, um, I'm making sure I keep my priorities in order. Yes. I I hope that that. answers your question. Yes. Meaning when you're building a business, it is hard to be like, okay, it costs money, you know, to hire help. But the truth of it is if you, the sooner you do it, the more you just get like used to that, just being a expected expense, just like right now we're recording in Zencaster. So you guys are paying for, you know, Zencaster every month. I pay for zoom every month. There are some expenses that are just associated with having this. Also, by the way, if you drive to a nine to five, you have the cost of gas, you have the cost of the vehicle, you have the cost of eating out for lunch. A lot of times people pay for parking. So there's costs of having a regular, you know, job, job, um, just like there is if, if you're, you know, in the online space. And so, um, I do have kind of a rule of thumb though, if you guys would like to hear this in terms of like hiring help and it's kind of hard to like figure out exactly if it's, if you can make it work on, on paper, but um, I heard somebody say once, so it wasn't me that actually came up with this, but I heard somebody say once: anybody you hire to help you, they should be able to either save your company in revenue or make your company in revenue four times what you pay them a year. So if you, you know, hire somebody, let's just say for you know a thirty thousand dollar position on your team, they should hopefully help to bring in four times that every year, or save you four times that in terms of you know um, the value that they're bringing to the team. So. That's so good.
1: good. I love this. I love well, how nitty gritty we're getting. Jennifer, you are amazing. I have a,
2: a follow up selfish logistical question I guess, based no off actually, of like. <laughs> I'm an open book. I love it. I that. love it. Um, okay. So, remind me to tell you a story. Will you? will you remind me to tell you a story about um, the ladies that clean my house? Yes. Oh, yes. Wait, why don't you just tell it now? I can okay. remember my question. So go for okay. it. Okay. Cause I have, um, I'm deep in menopause and I swear to you, like my, my, <laughs> my memory is just shot. Okay, <laughs> so, um, so years ago, um, I, uh, Jason and I were talking my husband and I, and I was like, I just, I need help with the house. I can't like, try to grow the business. And we have three kids under the age of six. Like, I can't do all of the things. I can't take care of myself physically and take care of our children and take care of the house and take care of the business. Like something always has to give. And um, and so, you know, I was like, I I want to get somebody to come help us clean house. And um, and so we have had somebody help us clean house for years and years and years. We've had the same lady for 12 years. Um, now it's her and another woman. So I just love them. If they ever leave us, I'm going to cry like alligators. <laughs> Here's an example that I've used to every single woman that comes into my coaching group and says they can't afford to hire help. Here's what I tell them. Okay. So back, um, you know, years ago when we first had her name's Mary Sue and she's so precious to our family. When Mary Sue first started helping us and she would come in and help us clean, it was $125 for her to come. And we had her come every two weeks and she was usually there about six hours. Well, my rate at the time to go out and paint for somebody as an artist was hundred dollars an hour. And it occurred to me one day that Mary Sue's at my house for six hours cleaning. And by the way, she's exceptional at it. And she's also fast. She's like a tornado that just like goes (laughs) from your home and like everything turns out perfect. It's amazing. (laughs) What would would take her six hours actually takes me 10 or 12 because I'm trying to do it, you know, with the kids there. And um, also I'm not great at it because I don't do it every day. And then also I'm getting my pussy pants on because, you know, why are (laughs) all these kids so messy? And, you know, why am I the only one that has to do the laundry? Whatever else. So it takes her six hours but it would take me like eight, 10, 12 hours. And then I had this, aha, wait a second. When she's here for those six hours and I am paying her 125, I can actually go out and paint and, you know, get some help with the kids for those six hours. And I charge a hundred dollars an hour. So I make $600 that day and I pay her 125 of it. Oh my gosh that math works every single second time. And so it was such an aha moment to me because so many people are like, well, I can't afford to hire anybody, but wait a second. What if you hire the right person that comes in and takes such a huge amount of work off of your lap that it allows you to go out and do the things that are actually revenue generating and you make way more money, you know, when you could have been, you were trying to still do that other thing. And so I think sometimes people like they miss that. They miss the idea that whenever you're hiring help, whether it's a virtual assistant or whether it's somebody to make your website or whether it's somebody to um, write your emails or have your social media, you should not be just taking a nap and eating bonbons during that time. (laughs) Well, doing those things, you know, you should be focusing on the things that are generating revenue. And that's how it becomes so much easier to hire help for your business. So So
1: good. I love that so much. I love just even the numbers and you being like, the numbers make sense.
2: (laughs) Yep, the data don't lie. There you Uh, go.
1: I love it.
0: All right, entrepreneurs, let's face it. You're in a pickle you're not attracting your ideal clients because your brand visuals are just meh at best and you're not showing up as the professional ready to make their life 500 times better. Do you honestly feel like your website just sucks? Like your branding feels like you created it in Microsoft's Paint? Anyone else remember Microsoft's Paint? Is that just me? (laughs) Okay, and your, your client experience just overall feels like it's seriously lacking and you just need a change right now. But let's be honest, you're not ready to drop 8K on a custom web and brand design. Well, don't worry, that's where we come in. Introducing the solution to all of your website struggles,
1: the Heart Shop website templates. Now we spent hours designing these customizable, professional, and conversion intense website templates with our incredible designer, Sarah Crook of Elizabeth Designs. They are so incredibly easy to use and customize with ShowIt's user-friendly interface. Yes, by the way, you can easily learn how to work with ShowIt even if you've never touched a website or any design platform before. And you can change literally anything you want. No more being limited to squares on your website. It's a drag and drop system that is freaking easy and looks incredible. Oh, oh, you want more information? Cool, I got you. The templates come already SEO optimized with copy prompts from Lindsay and I included. Yeah, you don't just get nonsensical filler text. You get bomb education and prompts from Lindsay and I to help you wow your potential clients and crush your website copy. And we designed a variety of these in different styles so you can find the closest match and then tweak it to make it fully your
0: own. If you're ready to save thousands of dollars and hours upon hours upon hours of your time and get clients flooding through your website, you need to check these out. So grab yours at theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. Hey photographers, this one's for you. Real talk, have you ever felt like your photos just look stale? Like they lacked the oomph that you're looking for? Ever feel like you're not just like fully capturing the life and energy and story of your clients, but you just don't know how to fix it? Well, we've got some magic sauce for you, my friend. Meet your new best friend, The Posing Miner, our online course for photographers showing you how to capture those jaw-dropping authentic photos of your clients that will leave them in tears because you capture them in the moment so perfectly.
1: Yes, it is packed full with six course episodes, over 232 minutes of video content, and three bonus PDFs. Lindsay and I take you out into the field with us. Like, no, literally, we, <laughs> we go into some fields and we walk you through step-by-step step how to pose families, couples, portraits or seniors, wedding parties, and a wedding couple. So if you are ready to say bye-bye to brain farts in the middle of your photo sessions, awkward silences, and weird freaking prom poses, uncomfortable clients, and subpar images, the Posing minor is your new best friend. To see more and to join in on the magic, go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. One more time, theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. My question is on the subscription group, the recurring monthly revenue, because Lindsay and I have uh, one of those right now and obviously have plans to expand into more of those in the future. How, for you, how have you found... Any strategies, tips, principles of keeping people in a recurring payment? Because obviously it's very easy for somebody to opt out of a subscription or leave or anything like that. So what have you found has worked best for you and your business or tips for anyone who has that subscription style revenue?
2: Yes. Okay. So, first of all, so and there's different things that people call this. So some people call them subscription groups, some people call them memberships. Some, I call mine just a monthly coaching group only because I think that sometimes people are turned off by the word subscription or membership. Mm-hmm. Just even the um the insinuation is that um I don't know what I he- when I hear subscription, I hear like can't get out. <laughs> 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 when I hear membership, I hear Really long commitment. I don't know why. I know that other people feel the same way. So um, so I am really careful with our words and we just call it my monthly coaching group. Okay, so that's one thing. Um, and while we're talking about this, let me just also say this. Um, having a monthly group like I do, like you guys do, it's not for everyone. And um, I had asked you guys at the beginning of our call here if I could give people a free quiz that they could go take. And this is a great time to bring this up. Um, if you go to com slash quiz it's a really easy, like 20, 25 questions about which of those eight revenue streams that I talked about would be best for you to start first. And it's going to ask you questions like, do you like having your picture taken? Um, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Do you already have a website? So it takes all of your answers to your questions and it tells you whether or not, you know, a membership would be good for you, a course or what have you. The thing with the membership is it's not great for everyone because it requires consistency Um, and there's not a, there's a lot of creative people, especially they don't want to have to show up at a certain time, um, all the time for years on end for a paid group. Right. So I actually love the consistency of a membership group. I like knowing, you know, that when I have about 2000 people every month in my group, you know, learning how to do social media, that equals about a million dollars a year in revenue. Like that's where we like to keep our numbers at. That feels really good to me. Um, instinctively though, you will have what's called churn, which is people who are leaving and that happens every single month. It does not matter how good you are. It does not matter, um, you know, how many people you have in the group, you're still going to have churn. Um, so My mentor was Stu McLaren on my membership group years ago. And his rule of thumb was always that if your churn rate is less than 10% of your overall number, then you probably shouldn't be concerned. So let's just say in my group of um, 2,000 that I have, as long as no more than 200 leave in a month, then everything is still hunky-dory. If more than that are leaving, then I need to be concerned. Okay, what's happening? Are people tired of me? Do they hate my hair? Is my content (laughs) crap? You know, you just, like, what's happening that people are leaving? Um, And I can tell you that in six years' time, we've only had two months where my churn rate has gone up higher than 10%. So what are some things you can do to lower your churn rate? So here's the thing especially in like today's world where and I'm going to be really careful about the words that I use because I do believe, you know, as a girl that loves Jesus, there's power and life and death are in the power of the tongue. So I'm going to be careful, but gas prices are up and a lot of people's expenses are up. And so how do you get people to stay in a paid membership group? Because the truth is if people are feeling the tension of finances, they will look at what they can cut first And so they'll look a lot of times at things they have a subscription to. Is it a gym? Is it their HelloFresh food delivery? Are they getting a Stitch Fix box of clothing every month? Do they get razors from the Dollar Shave Club? Oh, they're in Evie and Lindsay's course or, you know, monthly group. So they'll cut those things first. So here's some things that you can do. Um, Number one, a lot of it depends on your price point every month. So my group is $47 a month. I coach a lot of women whose price point is $27 a month. The churn rate on the lower priced groups will be less than on the higher price groups. Does that make sense? So yeah. sometimes um, having more people at a lower price point is actually better. Um, people don't leave quite as much, you know, because 27 and 47, like I know you're, you know, you think, oh, that's not that big of a difference. It's just 20 bucks a month. But psychologically, it's very different. And a cost that starts with a two versus a cost that starts with four. Okay, so that's one thing. Um, Number two, we do an exit uh, survey for every person that leaves. So they just get a little survey monkey thing that basically says, hey, you know, was it Jen's hair? Was it her (laughs) (laughs) What's the reason you're leaving? The number one and two reasons are always finances and time. So number one, I can't justify the cost. And number two, I just wasn't making the time to watch it. And so, you know, because of those two things, I'm gonna elite. Now, I will tell you that it's human nature to um, save finances and or time because they're very believable reasons, right? But sometimes I think it's important that we dig a little bit deeper because the truth is if somebody feels like they're getting something so juicy, so valuable so that they can't live without inside of your group, even if they you know, necessarily don't have a lot of extra income, they'll still stay. Yeah. So here's one of the things that we've implemented in our group. So inside of my inner circle, which is where I teach, you know, social media, how to get more followers, how to get more people on your email list. Um, the rule of thumb is that you're kind of supposed to give people one thing every single week. If you give them more than that, they'll get overwhelmed and overwhelmed people end up quitting. Um, and so we have really tried to look at what we're giving people every single month. And one of the things that we realized is that we didn't have anything for a while that was like something that they couldn't live without. So, you know, I'll do a training and then I have like a prayer and Q&A call one time a month. And then I bring in guests and, you know, that's all lovely, but we didn't have something that people were like, oh my gosh, this makes it completely worth it every month. So we implemented um, like a planner, like uh, like a progress planner for businesses several months ago. And it's something that they can print out. Um, so they actually have something tangible in their hands, but it has ideas for content for them. It takes the place of them having um, like a day planner sitting on their desk. Um, it's also got Bible scripture in it. And so that like meat and potatoes, you know, they can actually, it's tangible is super beneficial in retention and keeping people in there with you. And before we had this one, we actually just had um, what we call the playbook, which was just um, 30 days of content that you could use on your social media in advance Um, And that really did help keep people in the group as well, because it was one of those things that helped them not to have to think, you know, when entrepreneurs sit down at their desk and they're like, okay, I know I need to post something on Facebook or on Instagram today. I just don't know even what to post. They could just look at their playbook from us and and find something that we already had laid out for them. So having something juicy um, really helps with churn as well. And then the last thing um, that I kind of already alluded to is a lot of times people will say that. They leave because of time or they leave because of finances. But according to Stu McLaren, who is undoubtedly the best person, you know, on the planet for membership groups, the number one reason people actually leave is overwhelm. So they might say it's time and they might say it's money. But what happens really often is us as the entrepreneurs think to ourselves, oh my gosh, you know, the cost of gas is going up. Um, People are starting to leave. Let me give them more. Let me teach them more. Let me give them more trainings every month. In actuality, that's leading to more churn because women are so overwhelmed already. And then they see this like long list of trainings that you have. And in their head, the story that they're telling themselves is, I can't keep up. I'm already behind, even though, you know, it's not a race. Um, But that's the kind of stuff that they say to themselves. And so they end up basically then saying, you know what? I don't even know why I'm in this group. I haven't been able to watch any of the trainings for two months. I'm just going to go ahead and quit. So saying that all to say, if you can help reduce the overwhelm, That will also help with your retention. Um, And then one other thing I'll bring up. And if you are somebody that's in my inner circle, please don't use this against me. (laughs) But um, there are times when we, and I have somebody completely on my team who just takes care of um, everything in the membership Group And and all of our courses in terms of like credit card number changing and, you know, declined payments, because that is a real thing, especially with a membership group. Um, And so she has been instructed at different times. We tell her when people are saying that they're quitting for money, just as like, um, you know, a good faith offering. uh, We offer people a lot of times just a free month. And, um, Hey, I really believe in you. I want your business to succeed. Um, would you want to just stay in for another month at no cost to you to see if you can get as much out of it as possible, you know, just to help out your family's financial situation. And it's surprising that sometimes at the end of that 30 days, women will come back and say, you know what? I know I was going to quit. Um, but that actually meant a lot and that ministered to my soul and I actually got a lot out of it and I would love to just get back in. And so that helps sometimes as well. Mm, so so wow! Good.
0: I'm I just like sp- got frantically scribbling notes. <laughs> well, you just gave like us and our listeners a dump truck of so oh, much goodness. Okay, I I'm just marinating. Oh, good. I uh, that. My next question is kind of back to the whole like reoccurring revenue, multiple streams. Mm-hmm. Could any business model take advantage of reoccurring revenue? Is, like, you're a coach. You, you've worked with a bunch of different businesses other than just you know yours. Yeah. What would you say to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think. um, I think that there are a lot of people that think recurring revenue means hands-off. I think there's a real misconception about that. And so I think that any business can have recurring revenue, but I think that they need to understand that that's also going to require like time and, and people and resources. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that, I, we kind of talk about when I have them go do that quiz. So, you know, the quiz I told you about at jenniferonwood.com slash quiz, it talks about, um, you know, are you somebody that likes things to be really consistent? Or are you like somebody that just wants to kind of be one and done? You you don't like anybody setting your schedule, et cetera, because courses are not a recurring revenue stream, but I love courses if somebody needs an influx of cash. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the difference between a membership, which is what we were just talking about. I know if I keep you know roughly this many people inside of my membership group, um, and we've got all the stats. People stay generally for ten months at a time. Is um, the average person stays in my group? I mean, we've got people that have been in there all six years, but um, you know the average is ten months. So, um, you know, with with a monthly membership group, like we're getting this amount of income every single month here at Team Allwood, but when we launch a course. Um, it's a big influx of like energy. You know, my team's got to be all hands on deck and we have one course that's six weeks and another that's eight weeks. And we'll launch that and it'll be a big influx of cash that, you know, can more than make up. Um, cause last year here at Team Allwood, our one course, the Better Way program made more money than what our membership did. And so even though it's not recurring, we just did two launches last year it actually made more than our recurring revenue stream did. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have lots of, like I said, brick and mortars and things that will come into our group. and, um, And when you have like a physical product... It's kind of hard sometimes to do a recurring thing. So you can do like an earring of the month club. We've got a lot of like earring and jewelry people. Um, we have had lots of people who have started like a cookie of the month type of club, and you know they're cookie artists and they bake and things. But otherwise, for some of those businesses, it's kind of hard to put in place a recurring something. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like our the, there's a um, there is a car wash down the street. And so they are now selling like a card that you can use, you know, every month. And I've bought one for my husband for Father's Day in the past. And um, so he can wash his car. You know, we just paid for it for a year at a time. And so there are things like that you can do. But if you're an insurance agent, I don't know how you're going to put a recurring revenue stream, like implement that into your business unless you start a paid group. Where you would maybe give other people that are in your industry, like a monthly newsletter, or you would give them content they can't get otherwise, or you would teach other people in your industry. So, in in answer to your question, can every business start a recurring revenue stream? I think probably so. I think you've just got to be really creative on what that looks like.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really good. Okay. For the listeners who are maybe getting ideas kind of like sparking in their brains and are like, oh, okay recurring revenue, you know, getting, diving into a a different revenue than anything they've ever done. Mm -hmm. Could you break down like three tangible steps for them to start on today or keep in mind, you know, start one of them today in moving towards creating either a recurring revenue or if we want to even broaden it, just diversifying their revenue, like thinking of one of those eight streams that you talked about.
2: Okay. So first, not trying to pat myself on the back, but go take that quiz because it really (laughs) is good. And you'd be surprised at, because there will be people that come into my coaching group and they're already positioned perfectly to, um, do like one-on-one consulting, but they don't even know it. Does that make sense? And it would be like so yeah. easy for them to implement that. All they have to do is put up their calendar online and a link where people go pay and bada, boom, bada, bing. That's done. So mm-hmm. I would take the quiz because what I don't love happening is when women look at my business, they're like, okay, Jennifer has a membership and she has a course and she has a mastermind. So I'm going to do a membership and I'm going to do a course and I'm going to a mastermind. And they end up like hating the business that they're creating because they're just not wired in the same way. And so figuring out how you're wired, I think is super duper important. So that's one thing I would do is I would just um, go take the quiz. It's easy. It's simple. And everybody loves quizzes. This is why Facebook is full of those things, which are like, which kind of cheese are you <laughs> <Amen>. oh, <laughs> true. out about ourselves. So that will basically tell you based on what you already have. If you already have a website, if you love to be on camera, if you are good at taking photos, like then what's going to be kind of the easiest, like, least um, resistance to entry of all those uh, different revenue streams. So that would be number one. Um, Number two, I would look at um, where you're hoping to be down the road. So, you know, there are some times that people, um, they're wanting to really be eventually hands-off in their business, but they start doing things like the one-on-one coaching, which is completely 100% dependent on you being available and there every single day. So when you're looking at like all those different revenue streams, sometimes I know it's tempting to take the lowest hanging fruit, but I also want you to think about, okay, what are the end goals? And I'm not someone that necessarily thinks, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, but I do know in five years, you know, kind of where I want to be in business. We'll have three of our four children graduated by then. We have a second home that we would like to spend a lot more time in. So I want to make sure that I'm putting the things in place in my business right now Um, and not just like going all in on some of those different revenue streams that are going to require a ton of me when I'm trying to kind of pull back on some things, if that makes sense. Yeah. That would be another step that I would do is just really kind of look at, you know, where you want things to end up. And I think sometimes the world is telling us, you know, to set goals and crush your goals and hustle your face off. And it's hard for me to do that what I actually prefer that women do because it's just easier for me is to just kind of imagine what life would look at, would look like. And, you know, like I know if I want our life to look like we can do business from anywhere in the world, then I certainly don't want to be opening up a brick and mortar and selling products out of it. Um, You know what I mean? And so maybe just imagine what you want life to like look and feel like, and that will be more helpful. Um, So I would do that. Um, Another tangible step is that you have to be growing your social media and you have to be growing your email list. So it doesn't matter what kind of revenue you ever hope to have, whether it's recurring, whether it's um, you know doing sponsored content, whatever. You have to have a social media presence, and you have to have an email list. And um, most of the time, when people come into my coaching group, they will have started you know an Instagram account, but. A lot of times it's you know pictures of their kids and their cats and then a few business things here and there and they haven't posted for weeks and so there has to be some consistency and there ha- it has to be obvious that you're actually a business. Um, so you have to have social media, but you also have to have an email list because the thing with social media is it's never actually yours. we're I mean, mm-hmm. literally just renting space from Mark Zuckerberg, you know, and <laughs> uh, and it is the best thing that's ever happened to my business. Social media is. But I'm very aware of the fact that at any moment the rules could change and or I could violate some terms of service that would get me in trouble on social media. Um, I did that once by the way, it was probably five or six years ago. It was over Christmas vacation. I'll never forget it. I'm still scarred. And um, somebody (laughs) on my team's like, Jen, where's your Facebook page? And I'm like, what do you mean? It's in the same place. It's always been there like, Nope. Uh So I opened my email and I've got an email from Facebook that I violated a term of service, which by the way, no idea what that terms of service was. I have literally no idea. And, and and that's what happens when you do make an oopsie is, Rarely do they ever tell you you know, what yeah. you've done, which is hard. And so um, my Facebook page was missing for three days. And then it just magically came back up. And we later figured out that a bunch of people were asking me like, for a link to a shirt or something on my Facebook page. And I had copied and pasted the same affiliate link over and over to like ten or twenty, you know, people in a row on um, a Facebook post, and that's what actually triggered something that shut down my page. But what? <laughs> and so let me just tell you what happens though when you have you know two hundred thousand followers and you're a verified you know Facebook page or the blue check, that'll just you know put the fear of God in you. And so <laughs> I, that week, okay, never again put all of my eggs into the social media basket. I knew that email was important but I had not really ever focused on it enough. And I'm going to give you a stat that's going to blow your mind, okay? Um, Because we have um, 100,000-ish email subscribers. We have over 100,000, but we'll just say 100,000 because it's easy math. And I've got 600,000 social media people. But when we are launching like one of my courses or we're opening up my group. So just recently, um, I let people into my coaching group for a dollar for a two week trial period. And, um, and so I did all the social media things, right? I was live on Facebook. I was live on Instagram. I did Instagram posts, Facebook posts, and then we also, you know, sent emails and per the usual, 75% of all of our sales come from my email, even though we have six times the number of social media. And Um, so this is not just us. This is across the board. Um, I've heard Amy Porterfield talk about numbers in terms of social media and what the ROI is on social media versus email. And so I know that there's a lot of times, especially really creative people, they're like, I know, but I don't want to start an email list because it's just one more thing. Okay, yeah, but if you get 75% of all your sales, so (laughs) basically that's saying every sale that I make on Facebook, I have, you know, I'll make three times that on email And so, you know, for some of your listeners right now who are like, I don't have an email yet, but I'm making this amount of money just off of Facebook and Instagram. Well, if you could do three times that, if you just started an email list, like, you know, that's, that's good math too. So get on email. The second thing is a lot of times people will say, okay, I have an email list. I just don't use it. And then I say, well, then you're not actually holding up your end of the deal. Because when I go into Bed Bath & Beyond to get one of their three wick candles that I know are probably poisonous, but that smell... (laughs) No, and they're like, uh, um, Mrs. Allwood, do would you like on our email list? And I'm like, yes. And they put me on their email list. Like, I fully expect them to send me emails with their sales. I fully expect them to send me coupons. I fully expect to get email from Bed Bath and Beyond yeah. or Bath and Body Works. I think I said Bed Bath and Beyond, but it's Bath and Body Works. And so if somebody's getting on your email list and you're not actually emailing them, like they gave you their email, knowing that they're about to get emails from you. Do you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. it's like they're, they're um, doing you a solid by getting on your list and you're leaving them hanging out to dry by not actually sending them emails. Absolutely. So stop like using, I don't know what to say. Okay. Well, what does every other business in your industry say? Maybe you just send an email with, you know, um, a teaching point. Maybe you send it with a coupon. Maybe you send it just, um, you know, some fun things going on. Maybe you send a bunch of links of your favorite things. I used to do a seven favorite things email on occasion and give people, you know, links to shirts and, um, things for the house and stuff. And that was fun, but you need to be using your email list and you need to be using it consistently. So um, that was a really long answer to the three- I
0: love it. <laughs> I'm, I literally just, I literally, as you said that, I was like, that is a fantastic idea. I'm writing that down. I love the seven favorite things. That's genius. Yes. But yes. more than just that point, every single every thing out of your mouth. It was so good. So good. I was just like nodding. Yes, yes. Go, Jen. Yes. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, we always ask this last question. Well, it's, it's third to last, but they're all short and like bullet point, whatever. What is your biggest lesson that you've learned in business?
2: Ooh, um, there will always be people who either have determined to misunderstand you or will misunderstand you or just don't like you Mm -hmm. uh, or who have opinions, big opinions about what you're doing. And, um, you know, so God's been working on me for, for quite a while now about people pleasing and, um, you know, fear of man is a snare is what the Bible says. And so, um, you know, for a long, long time, I think I was way too concerned about what people thought about what I was doing. Yeah. And there eventually was a switch when I realized, okay, the call of God on my life is this and people's opinions are that. And, you know, one has to weigh more than the other. Um, and also I've got a family to feed. And the truth of the matter is if I can sleep at night, even if people don't like that, I'm, you know, teaching this or that, or bringing religion into my teaching or whatever, there's always going to be somebody with an opinion, but, um, probably one of, that's the biggest lesson that I've learned. I, I, when I think is my first year of selling things online. Um, and I started out doing, um, I did like a a webinar back when people were doing free webinars. I did a $47 webinar, um, on how to take furniture painting and do that for like a business. And then I did one on how to do cabinet painting. Um, and then I started selling like DIY videos, teaching people how to paint in their own houses. And we made a hundred thousand dollars off of those videos in 14 months. And I remember the first weekend I put those videos up for sale and, um, I still have it like in my prayer journal, we made $5,200 and I started to cry. And the reason I cried was because I thought, do you know how hard it would have been for me to make $5,200 in somebody's house this week? And I would have had all these women out painting with me and I would have had been managing the women and, you know, I'd have been away from home. And instead I just did this sitting at home with all my kids right here and thinking to myself, why didn't I do this sooner? Mm -hmm. And realizing I didn't do it sooner because I knew that people in my industry would be upset that I was teaching, you know, the regular homeowners how to do stuff themselves versus hiring professional painters. And so that was a real aha moment for me about, you know, my family could have been making a lot more money a lot sooner had I not been so concerned about what other people were thinking.
1: Oh, that is... It's wise advice. That is rich. <laughs> oh, I love that. Jennifer, the next question we have, which we're just starting to ask our guests, and we are kicking ourselves for not having done this from day one of the podcast because we both love reading. Yes. What is a favorite book that you have read recently?
2: Oh, I'm in the middle of Atomic Habits right now. Which yes. But, uh, you know, something that other people have. Read a long time ago, so I'm in the middle of that, and that's probably the only one that I'm going to give you at the moment. That's I so good. Well, here's why I have a real problem with um attention, and so I prefer to like listen to a 20 or 30 minute podcast because I can kind of get in and out emotionally, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, books are harder for me, um, just because I think that I like short teachings, I like sermons, I like podcasts. I like listening to an Instagram from somebody like a reel where I learn something really quick. Um, it's, it takes a lot more of my attention to read a book. Um, number one, I just, I end up buying them on audible and, um, and then I almost forget that they're there sometimes. So <laughs> it, it's this, and that's hard by the way, as an author, I literally just, my second book just came out and here I am telling people, I don't even read that much. <laughs> Um, oh, I love it. It's honest. <laughs> but um, you know, I obviously since I love Jesus, um the Bible is gonna be right up there. But Atomic Habits is good. I'm listening to it on Audible, it's holding my attention, which is hard um to do. And so yeah, that's what I'm in the middle of at the moment. I Perfect. love it. That was we great. we
0: read that book and we love it. So thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Where can everyone find you? You have given us so much goodness. You are a brilliant businesswoman. Let us know where we can find you
2: online, on the internet, everywhere. Buy your book, all of it. The quiz yeah. again. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Um, so yeah, you can find me at jenniferalwood.com. You can see like uh, there's links to get the books and things there. Just go to Amazon. Since people are listening to us on a podcast, I do have my own podcast. It's called The Jennifer Allwood Show because we couldn't think of anything else that was you know more catchy than that. So we kept it simple. Um, but in terms of like social media I love Instagram and you know I have a lot more followers on Facebook but you know Facebook feels like a dumpster fire a lot (laughs) and I hate to say that because it was my baby for so long but I I just I honestly think the Instagram people are nicer I mean don't tell all the Facebook people but I prefer Instagram and one of my favorite things is DMing with people on Instagram it's also um, one of my secret ninja tricks, I think for getting people into my higher level programs. Um, and not like I'm using it intentionally, but it is amazing in the year 2022, how desperately lonely so many people are, especially coming off of, you know, two years of the world being really weird. Yeah. And you'll just take time to talk to people when they send you a DM saying, you know, Hey Jennifer, I listened to your podcast today. Actually like going back and being like, well, thank you so much for listening. Tell me what it is that you do. You'd be shocked at how many people, um, I can build some sort of a relationship there and they're just not used to people with decent sized platforms, like even responding to them. Yeah. It goes a really long ways when you can make people feel seen and feel heard and, um, that you actually value them as a follower, um, boy, it's it's way easier than to ever have conversations with them about joining one of your groups, or it makes it easier for them to want to do that. Um, and it just makes me feel like a good person. So there's that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. We cannot agree with that enough. Yes. That
0: is, it's life-changing. I love it. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time, for all of the
1: information that you dropped today. It was absolutely incredible. I'm sure this will be one of those repeat episodes where our listeners are going back and taking notes and taking your quiz and all of the things. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much
2: for having me. I appreciate it so much. I don't ever take it lightly when somebody, you know, shares me with their audience. So thank you. I appreciate it.